Hi. <laughs> Y'all can sing. I love it. Um, that's the best thing for a worship leader to hear is the, the sound of God's people singing his praises right back at them. So um, what a gift. Um, I'm Rachel Wilhelm. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm really um, honored to be here. I was told to share a bit about my story and what God is doing in my life. So I don't know if this is a sermon exactly, but um, it is a message of some kind. So one of the main takeaways from my story is that I want you to ask yourself how God is asking you to be present in his body, the body of Christ, um, in his kingdom, where you are at, and where you will be when you are there, wherever that is, okay? So hold that thought. So I'm the Minister of Music at Apostles Anglican in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, I record albums of odd scripture songs, um, but I don't tour, so you'll just have to go on Spotify or something. Um, and I'm the Vice President of an organization called United Adoration uh, under the Anglican Church of North America. And United Adoration seeks to revitalize the creativity of the local church by facilitating creative arts and songwriting retreats at local churches. So that means um, I lead retreats all over the US, and I am encountering a lot of different artists. They could be visual art retreats, it could be uh, multi-art retreats, it could be songwriting retreats. I mainly do songwriting. Um, so that means, that means I'm in airports frequently. So stick with me here. We're gonna meander a little bit, so hold on. Airports are a thing in my current story. And in airports, I've noticed something really interesting about myself. I noticed a few weeks ago while I was on my way to Seattle that every time I get off a plane or even enter an airport, I'm on the verge of tears. My spiritual director has told me to pause when this kind of thing happens um, and do sort of a spiritual check-in <laughs> to see what God's trying to say. What is he connecting in me that I need to pay attention to? So this puzzled me a little bit. The feeling that would bring tears when stepping off a plane felt like a mixture of gratefulness, determination, wonder, and humility. It's really hard to explain. <laughs> um, so later, as I was in a cafe in Seattle, after I landed, sitting with this fact that I tear up in airports, God brought memories to my mind. I'm gonna be really vulnerable here, and it's really hard for me to talk about this, but I'm just gonna be real. I remembered being a child and opening up the Bible and writing melodies from the Psalms. I remembered having aspirations to be a songwriter and a recording artist, but I grew up poor with no hope of doing any of those things. For a long time, I didn't even play an instrument. I couldn't afford one. Traveling to another country, much less another city, seemed absolutely impossible. I wanted so badly to see a place beyond where I stood. When you're poor, you don't get vacations. <laughs> you may not even get days off. You know the class of poor people that are poor, but 
not quite poor enough. Do you know of that? Do you? Maybe some of you don't know that's a thing, and maybe some of you do. Well, I was in that class. I don't have the time to tell you the desperation or hopelessness I felt or even more detail about it. Um, but I became a typical statistic for my demographic and status in life. I got pregnant in high school. I married a wonderful man a few years later from my church. We were the only single people in church. <laughs> and we started a family. We were in you know, the Nampa, Idaho at that time. It was, I just felt locked in, isolated. On my husband's days off, I cleaned houses. I wrote songs as I cleaned. I would play them over and over in my head and would memorize them that way. Remember, I didn't play an instrument. Full orchestrations to songs would play in my head, but it was really frustrating. I had nowhere to put them. I wrote so many songs. No way to record, and I certainly couldn't write anything for the church. I was involved in the church. In the church, we already had songs. We had songs from Hillsong, hymnals, the vineyard. I could keep going. I mean, I know things have changed um, since that time. You see, there was an understanding that I wasn't an expert, and we needed to let the real songwriters write the songs. The real songwriters from other places like Australia, for example, who knew the people of my congregation so well that they could tailor fit a host of songs just for my people, right? Do you see what I'm getting at? Don't get me wrong. The radio is useful and convenient. It's been a blessing in so many ways, but it has hurt people along the way, and I'm going to show you. Through the years, when life changed for me considerably, I met other songwriters as a music director in churches I served in. But these songwriters would come from their corner of the shadows, wondering if one of their songs could even be considered for worship use. They'd approach me. So if you don't think you have songwriters or poets in your church, I can guarantee you that you do. They're hiding. They've been told the message without being told directly that their gifts are not wanted. In fact, the message runs so deep in our Christian church culture that I bet your songwriters have not even thought about the idea that one of their songs could be used in their own church or that they could, that, or that they could write songs at all for the church. So many want to give up especially with no community of like-minded artists there to encourage them to keep going. So let me tell you about my friend Keisha. I asked her if I could talk about her, and she said, please. Keisha and I met many years ago online, and we were frustrated songwriters supporting one another. She lives in a smaller town, still trying to pick up the pieces after her church life blew apart, her husband having been on staff at Mars Hill. She plays harp, piano, guitar, sings. She writes incredible songs. She cleans houses for a living. Does that sound familiar? She and I have often said together that songwriting is the greatest gift and the greatest pain. One day during, you know, the pandemic of 2020, 
um, I was out on a walk. And God put her in my mind. God was telling me to send her a check. So I did. And I was grabbing a note card to send it in. As I was doing that, I decided to write on the note card instead of leaving it blank, which was my instinct. I was going to leave it blank. I was like, I'm just going to send a check and no explanation. But I wrote something like, God sees you and don't stop. Don't stop writing music. It matters. And then I went on to explain that God put an image in my mind of David singing to God in the fields as he was a shepherd, and God delighted in it. It just sort of flew off my pen. I didn't really realize what I was writing. I just wrote it, and I put it in the mailbox. Several days later, Keisha texted me. She said, Rachel, you have no idea what has happened over the last few weeks but your letter signifies that you do to some extent. I have put myself out there in so very many ways and have been ignored, door slammed in my face, forgotten, you name it. To the point my soul can't take it anymore. I put my music away and I told God this time I truly might be done with all of it. I was just now in my music space, standing there staring at my piano, harp, music, and once more cried out to God, why? Why put this desire in my heart to be beaten up time and time again? I just can't do it. I love you, but I need to quit. And he told me to pull that music out and set it on the piano. I said, I'm not ready to play. And he said, when you play, play for me and no one else. It was seconds later that my husband walked in the door with your letter. Everywhere I go, including in my own community in Knoxville, Tennessee, I see artists just like Keisha, or just like myself many years ago, saying the same things. Some leave the church because of feeling misunderstood or unseen. At my own church recently, I asked one of our visual artists if I could come to her house and see her work. She texted me after I left that she couldn't believe I would spend that kind of time appreciating her art. With songwriters, once many get me into our room, they are thirsty for me to just listen to some of their songs. And they're shocked when I ask them to play a few. Y'all, this shouldn't be so rare, just shouldn't be. But interesting thing about all this is that God delights in seeing the unseen. He delights in the unlikely. Those that believe they are unnoticeable, nobody, hidden, cast off, or exiled, he delights to glorify himself through the unlikely, smallest, least, seemingly incapable. We all know Hagar calls God the God who sees because he visits her with comfort when she's cast off by Sarah. We know the Gideon story when we think small and unlikely because when an army is needed to defeat the enemy, God demands that the army decrease so he can reveal what he can do for his people. God calls Moses to use a stick to perform miracles, and the holder of that stick has trouble speaking. 
But the harder thing to believe is that God, the God of the universe, shows up and speaks to the least in order to do something miraculous or in order to tell the one he seeks the simple fact that he sees them and that he desires them and that he loves them. One of my favorite stories from Scripture is when Jesus calls Nathaniel to follow him. When Nathaniel approaches Jesus, Jesus says, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel asks, How do you know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathaniel declares that Jesus must be the Son of God then, and Jesus seems to marvel at this. He says, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. But to Nathaniel, this was a miracle. Just like my friend Keisha, perhaps Nathaniel was wrestling with pain under that fig tree. Maybe he felt that he had nothing to give the kingdom of God. I don't know. But being seen by Jesus ended that struggle for him. You saw me? That's all I need to know. But what if we, like Jesus, saw artists? What if we saw them? What if we bought their music, funded their album, bought their painting, or used their song in a worship service? What if we as church leaders and pastors started to value beauty coming from the church because the Lord is beautiful? and we are the body of Christ. What if we valued the beauty of Christ so much that we decided to build an artistic community within the church with the goal to missionally go out from the church? How can we show the world the beauty of Christ if we can't even see the beauty coming from the members of his body? So remember the airport the cafe in Seattle. (laughs) All these thoughts were swirling around in my head. God took those feelings of isolation and loneliness, the hopelessness with my art, and he haunted me with them. Y'all, I thought I just fell into this work. Just like my grandma who survived the Great Depression, she never forgot the scarcity of food to such a degree that she just kind of like cut the mold off and eat it anyway. God never let me forget the years of scarcity when it came to artistic community and the desire to be seen and valued by a community because I belonged. Again, it haunted me. It still haunts me. And I see the ghost of loneliness in each artist's eye whenever I go to a city at an ordinary local church. So when I'm just walking the terminals during a long layover and looking at all the cities represented in each gate, my tearing up means so many things. One is remembering that I didn't think I was going to go anywhere. And in every city I see, it represents a horde of artists in the church that feel the way that I used to feel. The other is that God didn't just give me the gift of songwriting. 
he also gave me the gift of presence. To go to artists, to see them, to hear and see what God's given them, how he's speaking into their lives and how they are representing him and glorifying them in their work. Where is God asking you to be present in his body, in the body of Christ? Because God has given you the gift of presence too, actually. I hope this question haunts you and you find that place in your soul, like how it happened to me, that felt empty and unfulfilled until God filled it. Find that spot and I hope that you remember it for someone else. We need you. The body of Christ needs you because you are the body of Christ. Thanks. Let me pray for us. Lord, we desire to honor you and glorify you above all things. We desire for your body to be knit together. We desire for your body to love one another mutually and to see one another, to be present with one another. Help us find those places where we can actively work inside your body to be present with artists, especially. And Lord, if there are any artists here that need to be seen, that, that desire to be seen and known and heard and loved. Lord, I just pray that you will bring a member of your body, several members of your body to them, to minister to them, to have a curiosity about them and the gifts that they bring to the church. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time that we can gather together as your body to honor and glorify your name. In Jesus' name.